VMware's NSX networking experts are coming to a city near you presenting a virtual cloud network deep dive. Learn how to use programmable network infrastructure that works in this multi-cloud thing we keep hearing so much about. Visit www.vmware.com slash go slash VCN deep dive to register. www.vmware.com slash go slash VCN deep dive. Lead or follow. Get involved or watch from the sidelines. The answer depends a lot on your personal career goals. You want more opportunities? That special job? Perhaps you got to put yourself out there. The risks and rewards of living outside your comfort zone today on the Data Knots Podcast. At PacketPushers.net, you can find this in all of our Data Knot shows about infrastructure engineering, or just search for Data Knots spelled like astronauts in your favorite podcatcher. You can follow us at Data Knots underscore show. I'm Ethan Banks, and sharing hosting duties with me is Chris Wall. And our guest today, Ken Nalbone. Ken, you have a long story to tell us today about uh, getting outside of your comfort zone. And before we get into that, would you introduce yourself to the audience? Sure, yeah. Hello, my name is Ken Nalbone. And by the time this podcast is released, I will be an event lead for the Tech Field Day events put on by Gestalt IT. All right. Yes, congratulations. And uh, Thank you. And taking that, that new position. And we're looking forward to if I... Uh, uh, get invited to be a delegate at some point in the future that that you'll be there and I can maybe you'll get, have to like like get me coffee or something like that is that, is that how that works yeah. yeah it depends on the event uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll delegate that maybe I'll be the one doing it we'll gotcha. see <laughs> so Ken to go from w- whatever your career path was to you know event lead at Tech Field Day that was a journey for you that was a path once you start us back at the kind of the beginning of where you would look at your career and say this is kind of where I took control of things because I wanted something different than what I had. What were you doing? I was a, a longtime system administrator, probably like many Data Knots listeners. You know, I was the anonymous guy sitting in his cave working, taking care of things on the back end. And I was content doing that for a long time. Somewhere around year 10 in one job in particular, though, I kind of felt like, you know, things are kind of stagnating. What if I'm doing this for another 10 years? What if I'm that guy who is uh, the tech dinosaur clinging to his legacy infrastructure so that he can be relevant? What if I'm the one who's putting the no in innovation? That's kind of hmm. the point at which I decided, well, I need to change something, starting with just seeing what other jobs are out there, what roles I can fill. But along with that, I kind of decided to just kind of adopt a new attitude in general to my career. So, you know, I started updating the resume, going out to uh, things like user group meetings and meeting people. And actually, instead of just kind of sitting there and taking in whatever content was being produced, whatever was being said, participating, actually engaging with my fellow attendees and and the people that were speaking there. Not something I was used to doing necessarily. I, I just kind of like to be, you know, like I said, the anonymous guy kind of sitting there not being noticed. So it was definitely something new for me, but I discovered pretty quickly it was for my benefit. In one of those meetings in particular, you know, a couple things happened. I, one, met a guy who owned a service provider in my area this was right around the exact same time I was looking for a job. I put my resume out there, applied for a number of jobs, had numerous interviews, but ended up working for that guy I met basically in the first week of my job search. I kept coming back and having conversations with him. Two, the people leading the VMUG in Indianapolis, which is where I live, said, hey, um, there's two of us who are leading. We're now VMware employees. Technically, we shouldn't be leading. We're looking for volunteers. I kind of thought about that, but you know, I was in the middle of a job search, so I decided to come back to it a little while later and say, hey, if you guys are still looking, 
I'd be willing to give this a shot. I'd, I'd like to try it out, mostly because I enjoyed going to those meetings. I wanted it to keep going. I had no idea what was involved in being a VMUG leader. I just figured I'd be something I could help with. I didn't know that basically it would be me being the leader for the first few months, at least solely, and it was nobody else. So I had to learn that as well as my new job pretty quickly right along there. But it was great because being involved in the larger IT community that I really had no idea existed up until that point meant that I was all of a sudden, because of my new attitude, making a lot of connections, meeting people via social media, you know, from around the world or people in my local area, because I was trying to get them to attend a VMUG meeting or sponsor a VMUG meeting or whatever the case may be. It was just kind of the side effect of making sure that things were working properly. Ken, I want to go back and follow up on a lot of the points you just made there. I, I was jotting down different things that you said that stuck out to me. You know, one of them was, and this, I really identify with this myself, it's very easy to sit in the room of a, you know some meeting where there's a presentation going on. Just be that anonymous guy back in the corner, not really interacting with anybody. You get up and get your slice of pizza, maybe grab a beer, and uh, just be quiet, do your own thing, pop open the laptop, answer some emails. Oh, the pre- next part of the presentation is going on. Mixing it up with people is not the thing that comes naturally to me at all. I don't want to get into the crowd. Hi, I'm Ethan, and what do you do? You know, I'm not good at that. I'm still not good at that, even though I've had to do that kind of stuff for a long time. How did you, it sounds like you're maybe a natural introvert. How did you overcome that and start interacting with folks? Believe it or not, having a conversation actually starts with listening for me. Basically, start off with a few of those questions. Like you say, hi, what do you do? Uh, and, you know, kind of lead to other questions. How long have you been doing it? Do you like it? Is it something you're going to do for a long time? Is that what you do all the time? Do you like to do other things outside of work? What do you like? Oh, hey, we're both in Indy. I like the Indianapolis Colts too. We can bond over that. Whatever the case may be. Usually, if you ask questions and give somebody a chance to talk about themselves, for the most part, people like to do that, I've discovered. I mean, the same is probably true for me. We all like to believe we're not egocentric, but there's a little bit of it to everybody I've discovered. That's actually been my way of deflecting or, or, or diffusing my, my introverted nature is just to ask people questions and get them talking about the, themselves or something that they're really interested in so I can just listen to them and I can nod my head and ask questions. It makes me a good podcast host too. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. I'm rolling my eyes, but you can't see it. Um, <laughs> I, I could hear it. So how did the expectations for being a VMware user group leader differ from the reality? What were you kind of sold as to what it would be And what did it actually end up being uh, after you got your hands dirty? Well, for the most part, it was sold as we want help and we will tell you how to do things along the way. And what ended up happening was you are now the sole leader of this group and you get to figure out everything as you go in terms of hosting meetings, getting sponsors, getting speakers, whatever the case may be. You know, that's just probably my experience in general. That's not the group as a whole for all Mm -hmm. the chapters that exist worldwide. That was just my unique circumstances, but it forced me to basically try to figure out how to do new things that I had never done before. And it was definitely a learning experience, but I was definitely grateful to have that experience. Again, trying new things that I'd never done before. It was part of the new attitude I had adopted. You know, maybe I will make mistakes. Maybe I won't be the best at this, but if I do something I've never done before and then I have to do it again, hey, guess what? Now I have a little bit more experience to build on, so I'll be a little bit better than the last time. Sure. I think where I'm uh, going there is trying to understand, you know, pitching the idea of being a leader of something is, it's a big ask for someone to ask, you know, someone to do that. What in the the kind of the offer did you see 
this could be a good way for me to go. Like what kind of enticed you about it versus, you know what, this seems like big and scary in here. I don't want to deal with it. Was it literally just, this is something I've never done before and I want to try it? Or was there anything that kind of stood out as this seems like a good idea? I'm going to do something a little crazy. It was a combination of all of those things, basically. You know, it was pitched first as, oh, it's not that much work, maybe an hour or so a week, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, n- nothing nothing major. I'm like, oh, I can do that. And then, uh, again, it was, yeah, this is something new that I've never done before and probably opportunity to meet people, learn new skills, all those kinds of things, going along with that attitude of, I need to actually try something new and not get stuck in the same ruts. And basically, I've adopted a new attitude. I'm actually going to put it to the test and see if I can do this seeing it as a challenge and saying, well, can I accomplish this? I'm laughing a little bit because you said an hour or an hour or two a week. And and those sorts of roles never seem to be just an hour or two a week. They always seem to somehow be, be longer than that. So, so a couple of questions, one, was it really an hour or two a week? And then two, did you find like, I, I don't know, a lot of times you look at leaders of groups and assume, oh, they're probably got 19 certifications and all and probably written books. And they're just like these IT superheroes. And I could never do that. Or, or was it just, you know, now you're the leader and you have these responsibilities. It was a little different than uh, than maybe you thought it was going to be in that regard. Yeah, it was different. And all those things you talked about, like all these accomplishments that other leaders may have, they're the IT superheroes. And I definitely didn't feel like I felt that like I fit into that mold. And perhaps there was a little bit of imposter syndrome that occurred with that, but kind of working through it and basically doing the best that I could, even if it's not the best one could do at that particular job. As you were leading the event, you needed people to fill in speaking slots and become sponsors and so on. Making the connections with those people, was that like a super difficult thing to overcome or not so much? It depends. Sometimes folks would actually come to me. Hey, we'd like to sponsor. Great. What goes into sponsorship? Oh, it's this, this. Uh, can we have the list of attendees? Sorry, no, I can't give you that. Having to have that conversation multiple times. Getting people to speak was a little more, more difficult. You make connections with people that you know from around the area. And sometimes you ask them and you have to repeatedly ask them and convince them that it's okay. Nobody's going to bite your head off if you get up there and speak in front of a bunch of your peers. Yes, it's outside of your comfort zone, but we will help you if you would like to explore this opportunity. Sometimes it worked out really well. Sometimes it's just difficult to find anybody to fill that slot. And so you get up there and do the best you can yourself speaking about a particular topic to fill time. But again, the connections with the people, I mean, my my experience with some, I've had to do some uh, track leadership at conferences and so on where you're, you're not speaking, but you're trying to find the people to speak. And I've just found for the most part, people are, people and it wasn't that hard to overcome. It wasn't like they were magical people that were very difficult to speak to just because they had a lot of achievements. They're just people like everyone else. Correct. And I I would guess I would say when it comes to that, trying to bring in speakers that I knew through all their accomplishments and not try to approach it as a super fanboy hero worship type situation, but rather just along the lines of, hey, you've done some great work and I think it would make for a great topic at our meeting, would you be able to come and speak on this topic? And sometimes it was a yes all the way. Sometimes it was, a, I'm sorry, I have a conflict, but hey, I can put you in touch with somebody else who, you know, is also a superstar in this area and ended up being great. So let's go back to a point you made earlier. You had said, I needed to get out of the rut I was in, or I was going to be a dinosaur or become a dinosaur over time, something, something to that effect. How did all of this help you avoid that trap. It started with basically looking for a new job. And when I found that job, being willing to 
ask questions instead of pretending that I was the guy who knew all the things or could figure it out on my own. Showing a little bit of vulnerability and being willing to admit that you're not the best at something is not only a great way to learn, but it's a great way to kind of nip imposter syndrome in the bud. If you let people know, hey, I don't know this, but I'm really excited to learn it, then you don't have to worry about them finding out that you're a fraud because you've already exposed yourself to a degree. Have you been able to use this adopting the new attitude and all the transformation that you've gone through in your career and, and you know the volunteer work that you do to encourage others? You know, have you, Do you have any stories where you're bringing them into your into your flock, if you will, and kind of taking that that baton and passing it to the next person? I would say so. I've met a number of people who, you know, I've engaged probably, you know, all over the world or at least the country that maybe want to start something on their own and they're not sure where to start or they're not sure if they can be successful. And my advice to them would be just try. I know folks who have started up a VMUG chapter in their own area where it never existed before or just volunteered to be a leader because they said, hey, it's great. You should do it. You're going to meet so many people. You're going to learn so much. Basically, relay my experience to them. Uh, you know, I, I've had people travel to Indy from many hours away. And I just took the time to kind of hang out with them and say, so why'd you come all the way out here? Why are you enjoying it? Are you learning new things? Do you think that you could do this in your town? And that's that sort of thing. And it worked out really well. A couple of people that I consider friends have kind of taken upon themselves to embark on a similar journey. I'm not going to take credit for anything they've done, but I've enjoyed watching them grow as well as a result. It seems like a, you know, I know we brought up a lot of good reasons for personally changing things, but that feels like a really great reason to engage continuously, you know, above and beyond the initial shock of all of that change. I'm just curious, um, is that kind of the best part of all of it? You know, just seeing other folks that maybe seeing a little bit of yourself in folks that are taking that journey and offering a few guide signs to help them along the way? It is absolutely one of the best parts because I can't think of anything more satisfying than watching people I consider friends succeed in life. I love this conversation, Ethan. And uh, what's on my mind is that your career, just like any technology, requires continuous investment. You can't just halt on this. It's like walking up on the down escalator. If you stand there still, you'll be drawn to the bottom. It takes energy and effort to climb. So love the conversation so far. What's on your head, Ethan? That whole introverted thing and just being uh, finding it difficult to strike up conversations with people you don't know. Uh, I have struggled with that a lot, and Ken Ken talked about that. And uh, one easy tip is just get others to talk about themselves. If you introduce yourself and say, "Oh, hey, uh, do, what, what's your company?" Well, a lot of times there's some event with a name tag, and the person might have their name and where they work on there or something. Oh, what do, what do you do? What's your job? And and they'll immediately be able to launch in and talk about their job. And that's just a natural way to get a conversation going without you having to do too much. Or if you're shy or, you know, it's uncomfortable talking about yourself, get the other person talking in that way. And then listen and listen, really listen to what they're saying and react to what they're saying because you're genuinely interested in that person. And that can help you begin to just naturally engage and overcome that initial barrier you have to talking to someone you don't know. And maybe strike up a friendship that uh, lasts a long time or, you know, you meet a new colleague or you, you, you make a, a friend that's a valuable resource to you and, and you perhaps to them. It's not as hard as it seems like if you can just get over that initial hurdle and go chat with folks.
Let's pause this podcast train for a moment to share a growth opportunity with you. When we talk about cloud computing, edge computing, or even marketing, deities be praised, fog computing, what's the impact to networking? These emerging compute models mean you need a lot of network capabilities stretched all over the place, often onto infrastructure you weren't able to lovingly craft by hand yourself. It might also mean that the infrastructure is changing a lot and that the network needs to keep up to support those changes. How exactly do you deal with that? We've talked a lot about VMware's NSX on Packet Pushers over the years, and NSX is one of the networking tools you could use to help manage a network that's distributed all over the place. If you don't know much about NSX, VMware is coming to a city near you, and they're bringing a virtual cloud network deep dive with them. Register for the virtual cloud network deep dive to hear about programmable, easily changeable network infrastructure that can handle complex compute environments, even multi-cloud. At the Virtual Cloud Network Deep Dive, you will hear VMware networking pros discuss creating a secure software-defined network that you can run on any fabric, including Cisco ACI, application-level security using micro-segmentation, increased network visibility and real-time analytics, network automation to help stand networks up quickly, and moving workloads around anywhere without having to rebuild the network by hand when you do it. You're going to get that info the traditional ways, presentations and demos, but you will also get to chat one-on-one -on -one with the NSX nerds on site. To register, www.vmware.com slash go slash VCN deep dive and find the deep dive closest to you. www.vmware.com slash go slash VCN deep dive. And now back to the show. Well, it's good to know the background just because the story as to where people started and how they got there, it's obviously good for those listening to relate to the journey to find out kind of where, where the you are here marker is on your career. Ken, I wanted to focus in on some things we're talking about offline around attitude changes. You know, really what was important for you to make adjustments in, you know, as part of your attitude to be successful. And I think the first one we talked about was, you know, going counter to your instincts. I don't know if you want to expand on that, but the ways that you uh, were able to kind of biohack your own mentality to be uh, successful and positive. Sure. The point I would make here is that the changes I made, what's outside of my comfort zone is specific to me. But in general, when it comes to going outside your comfort zone, anything that is counter to your instincts, but you think could lead to a positive change, that's something that you should consider trying. It's even if you're not sure if you'll succeed, even if you might fail, whatever that thing is, give it a shot. Um, I've recently heard a new term that I, that I like to use, basically smart kid syndrome. If you've ever heard of it, avoid that. What that means basically is you think about a, a kid who is good at everything when they're young, you know, they get into school, they're good at reading, they're good at math, maybe they're even good at sports. At some point that wears off, they realize they're not good at everything. And they get into this mindset where they don't want to try anything that they're not good at immediately. They won't try anything new, they fall back into their old habits and do only what they're good at. And as a result, they don't necessarily mature and grow as a person as quickly. And the same kind of applies to the attitude that I'm talking about when it comes to working outside your comfort zone, living outside your comfort zone. The point being, if you're the smartest one around, you're not being pushed by your peers to develop and learn more? Exactly. I mean, we've heard the old phrase for a while now, if you're the smartest person in the room, find a different room. I didn't do that for a long time when I decided to do that. Uh, it was humbling, but at the same time, very beneficial. Well, why not? I mean, was it because I'm kind of poke, I want to poke into this a little bit because A, how do you know if you're the smartest person in the room? And B, how do you kind of level yourself so that you're even open to looking to see if you're the smartest person in the room? I feel like that might be the biggest challenge is maybe 
when you don't know a whole lot, you think you know a lot. And then as you as you learn how much you don't know, then you start to look around. But maybe that's a challenge that you can help me understand. You were saying that you weren't looking around for a while and then you suddenly did. What was the catalyst for that change? I got to year 10 in a job, right? And that's a really long time in the IT industry. You know, 10 years seems like a long time, but that was a growing experience because the organization was growing. So I was learning new things. As the organization grew, I was taking on new duties, participating or even leading fun new projects. At some point that tapered off and I was just maintaining the old. I had all the answers at that point. Something was wrong with the infrastructure. I knew how to fix it. I can take care of it. Somebody didn't understand how something was working. I'll tell you how that works. Looking outside though at the world in, in large, going to those VMUG meetings I was talking about and listening and not participating, I heard so much more that other folks were doing that I was not and realized, hmm, there's a lot more going on it. than I that I don't know about. And I'm kind of lagging here. Am I going to be able to catch up? I don't know, but I should at least try. So it's kind of like you've conquered that hill, you know, where every body's buried, every skeleton's hiding in your work environment. You're like, what's next? And then you're hearing all these people doing cool stuff. And you're like, whoa, I didn't know about that. Like, how big is my world? I, I guess maybe it challenges your world perception or your, your tech perception. Absolutely. And you can either draw inward and stick with what you know and be good at that. Or you can try to tackle the world, understand it. Yeah, this goes back to that comfort zone idea. You build an infrastructure, you work on an infrastructure long enough, and, and as you say, you have all the answers, You something goes wrong, you just instinctively know, oh, that's – and then you go log in and fix whatever the thing is. But then you're not growing. Then you're stuck there. You built it. You know what there is to know. It's meeting the business's needs. You're not doing any projects where anything new is going in place. Maybe an upgrade here and there that's pretty minor, nothing major. You're not learning. And right, then you go off to – I think you put it this way earlier in the show, the larger IT community. And you hear what they're working on and go, oh, crap. <laughs> I'm really good at what I do in my shop, but then the rest of the world's doing all this other stuff. Exactly. Yeah, it's – I don't know if intimidating is the right word, but you're like, you feel confident and happy and then realize, no, there's so much more I can learn. And once I, I got used to the idea that I don't know it all, and not only that, I'm not going to learn it all, and there are others who I can just look to for guidance or advice or their expertise, it became much easier to bear. There are things that I can specialize in. I can learn really well, but there are things that I can turn to others for, and that's fine. Not having to know everything, not having to be the guy others can look to for all the answers. That's fine. I don't think anybody expects that out of anybody except maybe themselves. Once you get past that, life actually becomes a lot easier. Well, you said you could turn to other people to, to learn things. Is that, well, maybe maybe humbling a little bit, but, but just you know, going to someone that's the expert at virtualization if you're not, or networking if you're not, or security if you're not. How did you approach those people and what was their attitude when you started asking questions? At first, I was a bit intimidated. They might think, oh, this guy doesn't know anything. What's he doing here? But it's pretty easy to discover pretty quickly that, you know, we IT geeks, we like to show off what we know. We like people to think we're smart. And that's pretty easy. I don't know if the correct word is to exploit. But yeah, you, you know somebody's good at something. They know something really well. Ask them questions. And they can talk for a long time. And they're going to be happy about it in most cases, unless they're kind of like the... Old Greybeard who says, don't bother me. Uh, most of the guys I ran into were, yeah, I'd be happy to talk about that. And guy talked to me for about an hour in detail about how, yeah, you can upgrade packages on Linux without having to restart the service. And here's exactly how it works and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, wow, I'm not going to remember half of that. But that was really cool to learn and hear about. Thanks. 
or the networking guy who threw out a ton of acronyms. I'd never heard the term VRF before, and he drew everything on a whiteboard with all the different routers and switches and protocols we were using. And it was, you know, as working in a service provider and he had everything exactly mapped out in a way that there was no single point of failure. And I was just eye-opening. I was like, I thought I knew a bit about networking. Now I realized I know just enough to you know, put those top rack switches in and put in a default gateway and let you do your thing because you're the one who knows. I'm definitely a layer one cable porn kind of guy, you know, where everything looks pretty. And then everything else I throw to Ethan. <laughs> Perfect. Let Ethan do it. Yeah. My goal in life is just to be the rack and stack expert for Ethan Banks. And I am now living that dream. So I get it. You know, like anything outside my comfort zone, I'm like, if it's got an acronym and if it needs to route, that's Ethan's problem. You know, you know, it's it's funny, though. We're, we're, we're joking right now. But uh, a project that I worked on some years back was installing a whole bunch of new virtualization servers. Uh, my job was the networking component. But me and the guy in the shop that was the, the virtualization expert, we sat and just drew on a whiteboard and worked with the vendors for quite a long time to understand all the options. I didn't know all the virtualization stuff that he knew, and he explained to me how the you know the the, the fault tolerance service works and you know et cetera et cetera. And I explained to him how the network failover stuff would work. And after wrangling around on the board for a long time, we changed the design several times as we kept finding discovering new information both from the vendor and from each other we settled on this final design that was like the best thing because we spent all this time talking to each other and learning from one another. It was fantastic. And so, like you said, that information sharing just, you know, I went over to him and said, ah, we should probably work on this together. Cause it had all started with the classic silo thing. Ah, I'm throwing a ticket over to you. I need some VLANs. Well, what do you need VLANs for? And then it started this long conversation that was great. And, and very productive because, as you said, Ken, IT geeks do love to show off their skills in tech. And when you can uh, you know, get over that barrier of, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know much about VMware, which was me at that time. It went great from there. Absolutely. And, and the more chances you give people to talk about it, probably you're going to have a better chance of success, I guess you could say, if you talk more with your peers and understand their attitude to whatever challenge you're trying to solve, whatever infrastructure you're trying to build, whatever the case may be, let them shine, let them show off their expertise, bring that to bear on whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. You'll learn something. You'll give them a chance to show off and you'll probably be glad you did. Well, there's another element of having those conversations I've found and that's trust. I found that when I went to someone else's desk and sat with whoever it was and explained this is what I'm looking at. And when you, you know, sent me that ticket, this is what I'm thinking. These are why I'm asking these questions. I'm not trying to complicate your life. I just want to make sure that we're really accomplishing what you want to accomplish and just being totally honest and transparent and not, you know, combative or defensive. It went really well. You could like see the walls break down where initially I went and had a question about something and wanted to understand what they were doing. Could you please explain this to me? And then it just turned into in the future it was like I built that relationship with them and they would be very willing to share with me what was going on, knowing I was they weren't going to have that information used against them by me at some future point. Like some people are political and they like to control things in the workplace. But if you're just geek talking to a geek, it goes well. Exactly. And it's I usually approach those conversations more along the lines of, hey, I don't understand why you're asking this. It may just be because I don't understand your realm well enough. Can you explain to me? why you're asking for this, why you want to make this change, not 
you shouldn't do this more along the lines of why do you want to do this? I don't understand. Tell me about it. It would really help me to understand your discipline better. Having that kind of attitude when asking others for help. And I got a story for that. I don't, Ethan, I don't know if I've told this one yet. Stop me if I have, but that happened to me. I was working at a job where I was the VMware and virtual networking expert. And I was working with an outsourced individual that was running the, our data center for us that was like the, the physical networking expert and uh, also was running the storage. Oh my gosh, getting Ether Channel configured between our two environments was the most painful I've ever had because I'm, I'm overdoing my nerd knobs and he's doing his knobs. We can't get this thing to work right. And I, was, I, and I pull up the messenger thing and I'm like, hey, where do you sit? And he's like, I'm on floor nine or something. I'm like, I'm on floor 10. Can I just come down there? Can we just like, can we just hammer this out? I'm so confused. He's like, yeah, I didn't know you were even in this building. I'm like, yeah, I'm literally like one floor above you. So we came down and it turned out it was like this tiny little thing where we had um, the, 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 the ports on the switch were labeled incorrectly or something like that. I'm like, that's why we're not seeing the same thing. So it was like four hours of troubleshooting and being on the phone and whatnot cleared up and I don't know, the better part of two minutes of uh, literally just doing a, you know, like a, a sniff on the port and determining that we had like a a very simple issue. So definitely have those conversations. I don't know if we could ever bust silos enough on this podcast, but I can't think of very many problems that weren't solved by just coming together and and literally sketching it out and be like, Oh, there it is. And see, Uh, that's a perfect example. You know, you might've, you know, if you've, if you laid some kind of like trap or something in their cubicle and, you know, you want to be careful with the whole shenanigans part of things, you know, wink, wink, nod, nod. But for the most part, having a conversation, and I usually bring cookies unless they're gluten-free and then bring gluten-free cookies. See, that's a perfect example of something that I wouldn't have done before I adopted the attitude change. I thought people expected the cookies me or the questions, the questions. Okay. I thought people expected me to have the answers, to have the knowledge, to know what to do. And once I admitted, I didn't know everything, which I felt like would expose me to some degree. It actually opened up doors, made things easier. That's one of the positive results I felt of, again, going back to living outside my comfort zone, exposing myself to criticism ended up actually making things easier for everybody. I've heard the point made and and Ken made that point again, that if you're the smartest person in the room, maybe it's time to find a new room. So and think about this. That, that's a metaphor in terms of your job. If you know everything there is to know about your job, you've kind of taken that network, that virtualization infrastructure, that cloud setup, as far as it's going to go for this particular company, but you don't want to just sit there and kind of fix things when they break every once in a while. You actually want to do more things, but there's no more new things coming. Time to go. Maybe it's time to start poking around and see what other jobs are out there where you can learn and grow and continue on in, in your career. What's on your mind, Chris? I was kind of drawn to that whole like kind of expose yourself to new ideas and opportunities theme. You know, as we were talking, it was about, you know, making sure you're not the smartest person in the room, asking for help, getting involved you know, with having conversations with other folks. And it really just distills to give yourself the opportunity to lean into new things. And it's no one else is going to really do this for you. It's the fact that you're the one that has to make this leap and that there's a lot of value at the end of these transitions into being more 
you know, kind of exposed, if you will, to these opportunities and being a little bit more extroverted when it comes to tangling with folks, that's going to create opportunities for you. So there is kind of a, a selfish reason to get involved as well as many, many non-selfish and kind of great community reasons to get involved. Yeah, I've always seen that people who expose themselves create interesting opportunities for themselves, definitely. So Ken, you made changes. You decided it was time to do something different. You adopted these attitude changes. They've, they've taken you on, I don't know, we're always on a journey in IT. So so we're on a journey. You're on a journey, Ken, um, and so on. So now that you've got the the, the job that you opened the show with saying that you're you're working for Tech Field Day now, you're going to be as involved in the IT community as you can possibly be in that role. Is that it? Are you at the end? What, what do you see going forward? What I see going forward is always trying whatever's new and a little bit scary. That includes this job. I don't know exactly how to do it right from day one, obviously, because I've never done this before. That's what's exciting about it for me. It's something new. It's a skill I'm going to have to learn or skills, most likely. But that means that I will have another tool in my tool belt. I'll have more advice to give to others. I'll have others I can interact with and learn new things from. It's really exciting. Even though it's maybe a bit frightening, I've gotten used to that feeling. It never goes away. Uh, As long as you live by the whole attitude of getting outside your comfort zone, you just have to accept that you're never going to be completely comfortable. Maybe you take a vacation for a week or so and and you go somewhere familiar. But then when you get back, you got to get back to asking questions, doing things that you're not used to, whatever the case may be. I still consider myself an introvert, for example, but I will constantly introduce myself to people, ask them questions, ask them for help with something, whatever the case may be even though it would be easier for me to kind of just sit back and watch and listen. I get more done when I do things that I don't necessarily feel entirely comfortable with. I just had this vision of you standing on the edge of a cliff in a wingsuit and you just jumped and it's like, this is life now. This is what I do. Yeah. I'll make sure that I have a parachute ahead of time, but that's about accurate. Yeah. This feels uncomfortable. I'm doing it. Although I got to say as a, someone who considers himself an introvert, you sir pick the job that, really requires talking to a lot of people all the time. I mean, yes. what's, what's, is that something, is that cause you're like, man, I guess the best way to get good at that is just to have to do it as a job, like constantly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I can make an analogy. I like fitness. I go running, I lift weights, I do whatever. And I participate in forums where people say, I'm not really good at pull-ups. So how do I get better at it? And the answer is always to get better at doing pull-ups, do more pull-ups, you know, <laughs> whatever it is that you're not good at and you want to get better at it, go out and do it. Uh, That includes, yes, all the talking to people that I'm going to have to do as part of my role. Uh, You know, I got a little bit of practice in it. I was doing it for free as a user group leader. Now I'm going to get paid to do it. So I'll come into it not completely cold, but not necessarily an expert at it. But I'm sure as heck can improve. I have to. Otherwise, I'm kind of going to be out of job. That, That goes along with taking a bit more risk than I used to be willing to. I find that, you know, it's a calculated risk, whatever I I might try that's new, but I believe that it will pay off. I believe that I can accomplish it, basically being willing to bet on myself and and taking whatever new risks I see. That's where I'm at. So so it's it's a a no-going back thing. You've adopted this way of looking at life. It's paid off in this form of, uh, of opportunity and opportunities that you had along the way. Is the expectation then that as you go forward and just live 
follow your career path more in this way of just reaching out and doing things that it's going to lead to additional opportunities. I mean, is there a, is there a goal here? I mean, you haven't said like, and now I have, you know, nine cars in the garage and I live on the beach. And, you know, it's not like you said you had these crazy financial goals or anything like that, that drove you to this. It was more like you just wanted to prevent becoming a dinosaur. But again, looking forward, do you see or, or think that this is financially rewarding or in some particular way there's some goal or or reward you're trying to get a hold of i suppose that it has led to financial rewards not that it was ever my intent but sure getting better at more things means that you have more marketable skills and you will be able to land a higher paying job there's no doubt about that and it has been the case for me but honestly for me i just feel more fulfilled as a person i guess my self-worth my happiness have gone up as a result. And that's what's more important to me. It's very comforting to know that my family's taken care of, but I haven't taken multiple jobs over the past few years simply for the better paycheck, more along the lines of, oh, this might pay a little bit better, but it also will be a fun job and I'll be very happy in what I'm doing. And yes, I will be taking care of my family in the meantime. And long-term, I'll be gaining skills that will you know, help my career along. I'll be able to get Whatever job that I'm kind of interested in in the future, it's kind of looking far out considering at the time we're recording this, I'm about to start a new job anyway. It feels premature to think about what the next thing will be after this, but I guess I have less worry about my future. I'll be able to figure it out. I've been testing myself a lot over the past three years and finding out that whatever this new challenge is, as long as I'm committed to it, I'll probably be able to conquer it even if I have to ask for outside help. Since I've learned to ask, I'm a lot more comfortable and I get a lot more done. And I believe in my ability to succeed as a result. And that's what I'm getting out of all of this, the, the better feeling about myself. Do you feel like as you shed your comfort zone, or at least try to live outside of it, that you are having to make a trade-in on your technical skills? Does that concern you at all as you move into this role? For for me in particular, yes, I am probably less, well, absolutely less hands-on keyboard than I used to be. That doesn't mean that somebody who's trying to grow their career has to look for a less technical role. I'm sure that there are people who could be some kind of senior engineer type position that they could pursue once they decide to go outside their network skill and find a way to grow their technical skills alone. But for me personally, yes, but I'm okay with that. I decided to test the waters a little bit. You know, I talked a little bit earlier about how my first big career change was going to a service provider. Still a very technical role. But only a year later, I went to a pre-sales position for uh, another organization that was both a VAR and a service provider. I still needed to know my thing, my stuff technically to a degree, but it was more high level. I didn't necessarily have to do or understand the things that the practitioners would know. I had concerns going in, but... I, I found out that really I was okay knowing less of the nerd knobs than I used to. Uh, and I'm basically taking that same attitude with this new role. I'm going to probably know more technologies at a high level than I used to, but still only at a high level. How will that play out? Will I be comfortable with that? I don't know. I'm going to find out. Uh, if I am not scratching enough of my technical itches, maybe I'll just lab some more. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Basically coming and going into this with an attitude of, I think this will be great. I don't know that for certain, but I'm going to find out along the way. Again, you mentioned uh, social media a while ago, and I'm just curious as you look forward and I know a part of what you do is going to be tied into social media. So if we define that as interacting with people on 
Twitter and LinkedIn and uh, Instagram, wherever people go these days, and then maybe blogging you know, and interacting with people that way, where you don't see them in person. It's all internet-based. Do you see continuing value in that as the world changes and we've got you know people like the president of the United States kind of abusing Twitter with uh, his tweets and so on? <laughs> it's really changing what social media is about. How is that affecting the tech community as you look forward? I mean, Twitter in particular can be both the most both the most wonderful place and the most horrible place on the internet, depending on how you use it. I use it solely for my professional interests. I don't follow the president of the United States or any celebrities or athletes or brands or whatever the case may be. I use it solely to interact with the tech community, and I find tremendous value in that. And as long as I keep it to that, then it's fine. I never log into my Facebook anymore because it's all the things that just kind of get me in a bad mood that I don't care to hear all the bad news that people are spreading, whatever the case may be. So it just depends on how you use the tool. I think that all these tools still have a lot of value to provide depending on the use case. Yeah. You just hit on something really valuable there. Uh, so if you were to look at the way I've got my tweet deck set up, uh, set up I've got columns that are very specific to you know, people or subjects. Um, and I don't see, celebrities or, you know, what, whatever the president's saying today and so on. And so uh, there, I don't hear any of the negative stuff in the bad news. I hear tech news. I hear what people that I follow are, who are usually engineers and so on are doing, what open source projects are producing. And so it's a valuable stream of data. It can still be distracting and, you know, in all those negative ways, but from a standpoint of career, there's still value to be had there. So, I mean, I asked kind of a, a purposefully loaded question because so many people are just so turned off. They're just tuning mm-hmm. it all out at the risk of losing track of some of what's going on that's current and maybe interesting and relevant. And if you can learn to control that flow of information coming in from social media, there's there's value there that as you continue that uncomfortable journey, I can't keep up with it all. So I'm constantly challenged because there's some new bit of software that came out as a new product release. Someone wrote a blog post that explains how to do something technical and complex with, I don't know, automation or something that I like – I don't have all of that in my brain and it kind of keeps me on my toes. So I still find value there despite all the bad press that social media has gotten lately. It's true. There's probably a lot more bad than good out on social media. But if you put some effort into filtering it out and curating a feed that gives you the information that you want to see and you need to see, it it, it will be worth the time. I'd just be careful not to create an echo chamber of positivity that only includes the the stuff that I want and hey, everything's great. I want to hear the voices that dissent on the things I care about at least. Say, you know, I don't like this technology. It doesn't work because of this. I prefer that one. And hear those conversations. I I'm good with that. I'm not good with hearing whatever the latest celebrity or politician scandal <laughs> is. So I'm okay with some negativity in a certain context. Let's put it that way. If you can find the people that are willing to actually be negative publicly, there, there's a few of those. They kind of make their reputation on being curmudgeons. Uh, but most people are not willing to be all that forcefully negative in public. But uh, but despite all the value that you can get from that, you, you do hear from those people on the down low, though. Don't tell nobody I said this, but that product's a piece of crap. Here's my experience. <laughs> I get a lot of those. Absolutely. 
Well, Ken Nalbone, thanks very much for sharing your journey with us and encouraging everyone to get out of their comfort zones, uh, depending on what their career goals are and so on. Now, if they want to follow you or maybe you've got something that you'd like to recommend they read, uh, anything you got, Ken, share that with the audience. Sure. You can always follow me on Twitter. I'm at Ken Nalbone. I also blog occasionally and hope to increase the frequency of that at fullstackkengineer.com. And as always, check out all the videos on techfieldday.com. If you're interested in being a delegate, there's information on how you can get involved there, and we'd love to hear from you. Fullstackkengineer.com. I see what you did there. See what you did. Thank you, yes. Yeah, yeah, very good. Very good. And right, being a delegate at Tech Field Day, if you're interested in that, that there is an application process. You can't work for a vendor, but if you're independent, not working for a vendor, uh, you can apply. And uh, in theory, you've got a social media presence and a blog and you know a way that you can share information with folks. And hey, maybe that works out. So do it. Absolutely. That is it for today's edition of the Data Knots podcast. You can reach me on my about page at ethancbanks.com. And Chris craves your tweets at Chris Wall. And uh, check out his blog, wallnetwork.com. And for more of our Data Knots shows about infrastructure engineering, ask your nearest caching proxy to load up packetpushers.net as soon as possible. There you will find Chris and me and uh, Drew. And uh, we're just there talking to guests from all over the world as we bust silos and bring the IT stack together around the microphone. And until then, may your server lights blink, your storage spindle spin, and your cables be cleanly managed.